Okay, Matthew chapter 15. Let's read verses 19 and 20. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unmoistened hands defileth not a man. Very important verse. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 also. The Bible says there, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right. Now, I've been thinking about this for several days. And uh, so I've tried to hone it down to where to be clear, I hope, and the Lord to help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. It's clear enough. Uh, but Lord, I pray you'd help us now as we talk about this matter, uh, that we'd be able to have a clear mind, be able to say the things that need to be said in a way that everybody could understand and receive them and understand how to apply all this to our life to help us. And I pray you'd guide direct now, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now we're still on the, main, on the same subject here of spiritual warfare, but we're going to talk about our thoughts tonight. Now thoughts, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but uh, thoughts are in two different lines. And if you study your Bible... And you look at the definitions of the words and you think a little bit. You don't even have to look up the definitions if you just think a little bit as of the context that you're reading it in. Here's what it amounts to. Thoughts are referred to in the Bible in two different forms. The Bible talks about our mind a lot. There's a lot of scripture that refers to our mind. And we know that our mind is what we reason with and think with. But it, but it also mentions many times the thoughts of the heart. And I've thought about that a lot, you know. What is the, what, how's the, how's that work? What's the connection there? Well, first, the word thought is used to describe the process of perception and conception, conceiving. You know, you, you hear, you receive information through your eyes, through your ears. And you process it in your mind. You think about it. You keep, it's facts. You gather. And then you process it into ideas, concepts. They go together. And, and it comes, and, and they're like building blocks in how you view life and how you think about everything, your values, everything. We form ideas and opinions based upon what we accept as facts. Now you stand with me. That's how we become what we are is because of what we believe along the way. What we believe and what we reject. That's how we, that's how we come to be what we are. So we form these ideas and opinions based upon what we accept as facts. The mind doubts. The mind considers. The mind debates and discusses within itself in order to establish what's true. Now that's your mind. In your mind, that's called analytical thinking. 
that establishes basic principles and separates things into parts. You separate things out. You lay things in order in your mind unless you're just a dummy and you don't think. Everybody does that except dummies. Now we know some people just don't appear to think, don't we? We can watch that in progress everywhere we go and we marvel at it. What is the matter with them? And we've all been guilty of that and are guilty of that at times. Not thinking. Just not thinking. Thinking's a good thing to do. So that's analytical. You take things, you put it in categories, sort of. You, you, you establish basic principles and you separate things into parts. That, this kind of thought that goes on in your mind, it's also called synthesis or putting together of things established. Stand with me. Ideas. The facts that form into ideas and you start putting them together. And you, then you, then you form a, an opinion. A concept. And you use that to judge other things that come your way. Oh, it's a thing that gets us in trouble a lot because we do that and then we get real hard-headed, we call it, around here. Because you think you know. You know, the other night, I think it was uh, your little three-year-old, wasn't it? You was marveling that she knew more than you did about certain things. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take long. They don't have to learn much until you think you got it and other people just don't. You get, the less you know, the more you think you know. And the more you really know, the more you realize how little you know. Synthesis, in logic, it means the, the process of reasoning in which we advance a regular chain from principles before established or assumed and propositions already proved till we arrive at the conclusion. Now that's Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So that's how our mind works. Then secondly, the word thought in the Bible is referred mostly to... Uh, well, it, I mixed up my words there. <coughs> The, the other way that the Bible refers to thought, and it's mostly this way in the Bible. When the Bible speaks of thoughts, this is what it's referring to. Schemes, contrivance, a device or an invention, a plan or an imagination, a plot or a purpose. Now, the first type of thought we just talked about is the mental and mechanical exercise of the mind that investigates and determines what's true and what's not and then puts together concepts that form the awareness and view of the world and the universe around us. The second type that we just talked about, second type of thought, that is the heart's intervention and use of the mind to guide the life and attempt to get its desires. Your heart's where your desires come from. It's the lust of the heart. That's where our problem comes in. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unmoistened hands defileth not a man. That's what Jesus said. So it's out of the heart that all of these things come. 
And the second type of thought is the heart's intervention. Thoughts of the heart. Thoughts that have a goal in mind are thoughts of the heart. Uh I hope you'll listen. The heart is involved and it's intervening in the thought process. You're not just thinking with your brain. Your heart's involved. Your heart's got a goal. Your heart's got a desire. Your heart's got a plan, a scheme. And it's using your mind to accomplish its way. This is why the Bible mentions a number of times the thoughts of the heart and usually in a negative light. Thoughts of the heart are more than just knowledge of facts. They are a scheme and a plan. They're an invention and a strategy to obtain the heart's desire or to accomplish some purpose. Did you ever read the verse in Proverbs where it said man, God created man upright but He has sought him out many inventions? You see the word device a lot in the Bible. And that's what it's talking about. The thoughts of your heart. Thoughts of your heart are not necessarily evil. The general use of the faculty of reason depends upon the state of the soul. Proverbs 12 verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right. Now those, that's schemes. That's not mental thoughts about facts. Thoughts. The planning, the goals, the, the, pl- uh, the plot in, your, in the heart of the righteous is right. But the counsels of the wicked are deceit. <clears throat> because people who are wicked have listened to lies. 100% of the time, no exception. They're wicked because the devil has lied to them and they believed it. Just like Eve did in the garden. Same thing that's happened to every human being that's ever been born on this earth and come to an age where he could think. The devil lied to him. So the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The counsels of the wicked are lies. But the thoughts of the righteous are right. Proverbs fifteen twenty six. the thoughts of the wicked, that's again, that, that's not him thinking about two plus two is four. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the thoughts of the wicked, his scheming, his planning, his, his heart seeking after and using the mind to concoct plans to come up with something to get what he wants. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. But the words of the pure are pleasant words. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And so we're we're constituted in His likeness also. It's not made in God's image and likeness doesn't mean just the way we look in this body. Our soul, this whole matter of our heart, our will, our mind, our spirit, all made in the image and likeness of God. And it's all messed up because of sin. So God has made us to think and to reason and to be creative like He is. You know, I said when we were talking about vain imaginations and stuff here several months ago, but uh, God gave us, He made us that way so that we can imagine, we can see things that are not there based on what we know as facts. Now you go to just dreaming up 
nonsense out of nowhere and fantasy that's not based in any kind of reality, you're in, the, you're in spiritual evil lands is where you are. But to imagine is to be able to fix things, like I said. You know, now Brother Matt, you've got to use your mind to imagine what's wrong here when you're troubleshooting something that won't work. But God gave us that ability. Nothing wrong with that. That's part of being made in the image and likeness of God. Animals don't do that. They just, they do their basic things and they can solve some basic problems just by instinct because they're programmed that way. Why does a bird fly south in the winter? He can't help it. He don't make a conscious decision. Well, what do y'all think? About time to fly south? No. They just fly south because it's hardwired into them. We're not like that. We have a free will. And we have to make our choices based on what we discern as the truth. And we have to do that in a sin-filled, sin-cursed world full of wicked people and devils. So you better pay attention to this stuff if you want to have any hope of making it through this deal. All the trouble and struggle we have in life is a matter of our mind and heart. I mean, we're right in the very core of the whole matter right here. It's in our thoughts that we suffer the most pain of this life. You need to think about that. You know, we... We focus on physical pain more than we do on the other, but we that's just because we're not thinking. The most that we suffer in this life, is it's all in our mind. It really is. It's in our thoughts that we struggle with what we know and what we feel. Now you just think about that. Let me take you to Romans chapter 7 and verse 23. This is always twisted and absurd and it's what I told my wife the other day we sat there and I just this almost made me want to cry because I I say you know the very scriptures that they use to mess up and twist and warp and defile and and distort the gospel the truth is right there in those verses yes it is it's like the devil just mocks God and everybody by taking, it's right there in plain view. And the devil twists it around in their minds so they, get, they believe a lie. That's right. yes, Romans chapter 7 verse 23, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. <laughs> alright now the trouble this trouble and this struggle began when Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil key thing right there what was passed to us from them and all our ancestors was not a sinful nature based on our physical makeup are you hearing me it's not in your DNA and it's not in your fleshly body it's it, the knowledge of good and evil 
that perplexes and torments our mind. That's what we got. That's our heritage from our sinful ancestry. The knowledge of good and evil is the basis of every person's struggle in this life. The knowledge of good and evil. What did God say when He created Adam and put him in the garden? What did He say? It is good. Good! No evil. Good! No trouble. Nothing wrong. What did He say when He, when he put Adam to sleep and took a rib and made a wife for him? Now help me. What did He say then? He said it is very good. God said it is very good. And again, God said it is good. So he declared, proclaimed everything good. And that's all they knew. That's all they knew. Paradise. Look at this. Strong's Hebrew. Let's look at what evil means. Good and evil. I don't think very many people think about this very much and try to figure out what is really what really happened here. Evil. Now I've said it to you before. We we get mixed up on that. Let me say this and then I'm going to read these things and we'll see if we can get a handle on this. But evil is not necessarily sin, but it is always the result of sin. All sin is evil. But evil is the trouble that comes from sin. Strong's Hebrew Dictionary means evil like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of evil, adversity, affliction, bad, calamity, displeasure, distress, exceedingly Great, grievous, harm, heavy, hurtful. You get the message? What is evil? It's just everything bad. That's right. Everything that hurts. Everything that makes you miserable. Everything that grieves your soul. Noisome. That means noxious. Poison. Sorrow. Trouble. Vex. Wickedness. And it goes on. You can go, say, well, as a Hebrew dictionary, well, Strong's. In, in the Greek dictionary, in the New Testament, we find the word evil, and it means this, hurtful, degeneracy from original virtue, calamitous, ill, diseased, especially morally, culpable, that means guilty, derelict, that means abandoned, vicious, mischief, Malice, guilt, the devil, or sinners, bad, evil, grievous, harm, lewd, malicious, wickedness. Now that's what it means in the New Testament. And then if you want to just go to the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it me, evil means having bad qualities of a natural kind, having qualities which tend to injury or to produce mischief, having qualities of a moral, bad qualities of a moral kind, Wicked, corrupt, perverse, wrong, as evil thoughts, evil deeds, evil speaking, an evil generation. Unfortunate, unhappy, producing sorrow, distress, injury, or calamity. As evil tidings and arrows, evil days. Evil arrows, evil days. Evil as a noun means uh, 
Natural evil is anything which produces pain, distress, loss, or calamity, or which in any way disturbs the peace or impairs the happiness or destroys the perfection of natural beings. One more thing I want to read. Moral evil is a deviation of a moral agent from the rules of conduct prescribed to him by God or by legitimate human authority. Or it is of any violation of the plain principles of justice and rectitude. There's a lot more I could read here, but you understand what Eve gained the knowledge of, and therefore all the rest of us gained the knowledge of. She knew about good. Life was good. No pain, no sorrow, no grief, no trouble. No hurting, no lying, no betrayal. But now, so what man gained when he gained the knowledge of evil was he gained the knowledge of trouble. He gained the knowledge of sorrow. He gained the knowledge of pain and grief and adversity. That's what she found out. And all of us have had it ever since. The knowledge of good and evil. We know what it is for things to be good. But we, but mostly what's life made of? Evil. Trouble and evil. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Filled with trouble. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. It's the same word. Evil. You know about it. I know about it. We all know about it. He gained the knowledge of what it's like to be lied to. To be betrayed. Stolen from, hated, ridiculed, condemned, and guilty. That's what we gained from that fruit that the devil said would make us as gods. When we gained the knowledge of what it's like to go to the cemetery and bury a loved one. That's what we gained from the devil's lie, from believing the devil's lie. He gained the unavoidable privilege of watching others do evil to one another. Hurting, killing, hating, abusing, using and wasting others. How many of you seen that teenage girl throw that baby in the dumpster a couple of weeks ago? Newborn baby. Ran up there in her car and throwed the baby in the dumpster and drove off. Bunch of homeless people found the baby, digging in the dumpster, found the baby six hours later in 30-some degree weather, and they saved the baby. But that's what we gained, the knowledge of good and evil. We get to see it all the time, don't we? We don't have to go far to see it or hear it. We can go to the Walmart or we can go to the gas station and we can hear the profanity and we can hear and see the people that are just full of trouble. Yes. We were in Walmart the other day and we ran into one person and, and they were just, well, how's the church going and how's that thing going and all that and we just like to help and we'd like to send some money, a donation or something, anything that we can do to help. I we went on and run into another woman and her eyes about this big around and, and everything's wrong and everybody's mistreating her and she just can't get nothing and everybody's just so mean and... Right? And every time I see that woman, that's the way it is. <laughs> She's the one that called that time I preached that Mother's Day message, you know. <laughs> she was all shook up. 
She said, what in the world? It was Mother's Day. <laughs> Never happy. Everything's just a problem. Everything's wrong. Grab, grab, grab. Just miserable and unhappy and discontent and, and hating everybody. That's what we got from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all you see why God said stay away from that tree. Of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but the tree that's in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't, don't eat of that tree. Well, the struggle of good and evil is always in the mind, as it is, as the mind is the venue where spiritual powers strive to overcome truth with lies. That's what's going on. That's what the spiritual battle is. Just like it was in the garden, that's what goes on in your mind, in your mind, in my mind, every day. It's the devil and his fallen angels trying to get you to believe a lie. Trying to get you to believe that good is evil and evil is good. And look how successful he is at it. But that's the battle, that's the struggle that's going on all the time. The struggle is about the same thing that it was in the Garden of Eden. These evil spiritual powers use our pride and our selfish carnal lust of our heart as, our, as their weapons against us. The devil's lied to every person who's ever been born on this earth by convincing them early in their life that, that happiness can only be found in having all the desires of your heart fulfilled without regard to the consequences to ourselves or other people. Now, everybody gets that in them early on in life. So that tells me the devils are working on the children when they're very little. Yes, sir. That's what it tells me. And don't tell me they was born that way and so we all just got to throw up our hands and say, well, we can't do nothing about it. And the devil laughs. We can do something about it. First step is start understanding what's going on and quit living like an ostrich with your head in the sand. He's lying to their little minds. And he convinces them early on that the only way they can be happy is to have everything they want. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. This is the gospel of this ungodly world around us. They preach it relentlessly in all the places and throughout all the medians that they have. The television, the radio, everywhere you can look. In the churches, they're preaching the same thing. I heard Joel Osteen's wife say that, right flat out. God wants you to be happy. So as long as you're happy, then God's happy. Because that's what God wants for us, is to be happy. Show me that in the Bible. No, that's the lie of the devil. That's what the devil told Eve. She was already happy. But he lied to her. To convince her that she wasn't happy. Is that what happens in marriages? Is that what happens with children who grow up loving their mom and dad and all? And then somehow, some way, they become the enemy. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Because there's a devil lying to their minds. And they believe a lie. 
And then they're unhappy. Eve should have been content with what she had. She had everything. Everything to make her happy. A life without trouble. Without, she didn't have to wash dishes. She didn't have to wash clothes. She didn't have to do nothing. Just reach up off the tree. Be pretty good, wouldn't it? No worries. No fret. No trouble. No thieves. No diseases. No pain. No graves. And traded it all for the knowledge of evil. The devil will tell you children, you just thought you gotta look at it, you gotta try it, you gotta know what it's like. You wanna go through life not knowing what it's like? Look at all them other people, they're doing it. <laughs> look at all these people doing that and nothing's happened to them. Now the devil will tell you that. Yes, sir. And he'll tell you it tastes good, it makes you feel good. That's what he tells all these people that are wasted on drugs. Yeah. And they believe that lie and they take the bait. Mm-hmm. And then they're done. How, what do they have in their life from that point forward? Every time. Every time. Trouble. Evil. Their life becomes a, a wreck. And they are everything that's in that uh, definition of evil. Derelict. Abandoned. Destitute. Because of the devil and his lies. Use your mind and, and discern the truth. How do you discern the truth? Right here is the truth. Right. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Most of the religions of the world, including popular Christianity now, have adopted the same philosophy. And they've declared that God's goal for us is to be happy by simply having all that we desire to have here and now. That's what they're preaching. Y'all know that? It's a make you happy religion. It's a please yourself religion. If we can't have what we desire, then we're not happy, but miserable. Thus the struggle between the heart and the mind and an evil conscience. You know what the conscience is? It's that struggle between your heart and your mind. Your conscience is that voice you hear in your mind when the heart and the mind are struggling against one another. Yep. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Listen cl- closely. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Don't you see that's exactly what I'm telling you here? And that's the struggle that goes on in here. And everybody talks about this struggle, this struggle. They don't even know what they're struggling against. They think they're struggling against sin. What's like sin, some kind of a a personified monster or something out there. Sin is what happens when you lose this battle within yourself. When your heart wins the battle and your mind loses and you lose your mind. 
We were talking the other day, and you know, all the dementia and everything that is going on nowadays. There's a lot of factors involved, and I'm not dogmatic, but I do have some opinions about it, because I've thought about this very deeply and watched. And I really believe this, and from my own experience as well, your, your mind can only take so much. I see people that have lost their minds because the trouble in their life was too much. They, the dilemma in their mind between what was right and what had happened or what they wanted to happen, it just could not be resolved. And you just keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it until your mind breaks. And and it's just you you we I've studied about these people and I've watched them and and everything's still there. It's just all untied. You know they just talk about things and say things. Uh, you know, like Ron Hamilton the other day said something about. Uh, he looked at his wife and he said, "My mom's going to like her." Yeah. See, it's all in there, yeah. but it's just there's no order now. It's just it's just broken. They had a son that committed suicide. Things like that. Sometimes it's just... Well, yeah. It's just too hard. And that's why this is so utterly important, man. I'm telling you, if y'all just knew how important this is, if you understand this about yourself and how you're made by God and how things work and how all this process happens in your soul and your mind and heart... You got a chance of making it. You got a chance of surviving such things. There's things that happen to people that are just unthinkable, unspeakable. And 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 a lot of people just lose their minds. Other people can be put through the ringer for all of their life and be the sweetest. Uh most spiritual, God-loving soul you ever met. Do you ever wonder how that works and why that works and what is the difference here? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you here tonight. This is the I'm giving you some clues that are really are important. The conscience is that voice that agrees with the truth that the mind has certified. Perception, concepts, things you've nailed down in your mind as true. Your conscience is that voice that agrees with that truth that your mind has nailed down, but which is being assailed by the lust of the heart. You stand with me. I know I'm saying things, and it's. I know if I was sitting out there, I'd be grasping to try to hang on to everything I'm saying. So I know you are too, but please listen to this. It's your. The conscience is that voice that agrees with the truth that the mind is certified, but which is being assailed by the lust of the heart, which are being inflamed by the the lies of evil spiritual powers. Your conscience. You know what I mean? When you feel bad about even thinking about something. Or you feel bad about something you've done or said or or saw because you know it's wrong. 
And what's going on? What, what are you doing when you got an evil conscience? What are you doing? What's going on in here? What are you trying to justify? Trying to excuse it. Right. Your thoughts. The meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. Your minds are rolling it. The mind's got the truth. But you done got a lie here. You got something dirty here. And, and you're trying to figure out how to hide it, how to excuse it, how to make it okay. Romans 7, verse 21. Here it is again. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Well, now you better be sure that evil is always going to be present with you. As long as we live in this present evil world, you're not going to get away from the evil. Evil is present with me. There's no place in this world where you're going to hide where evil is not going to Show up because it's in here and in here, see. <laughs> However, we can have peace of mind and conscience void of offense if we understand what's going on and put on the spiritual armor and fight the good fight of faith. All right, I'm going to read you some scriptures here. Please listen here. Acts 24, verse 16. Paul said, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now you think that's an unrealistic way to think? No. It's not. That's the Bible and that's the Apostle Paul. And he did it. He lived that way. A clean conscience. Look any man in the face. Look at God in the face with a clear conscience. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. See, the Baptist ain't going to tell you that nowadays. You're dirty, rotten, you're dirty, stick right around me. We're just all rotten. Your righteousness are as filthy rags. What a, it just makes me angry every time I hear somebody misapply that verse. You come trying to earn your salvation or impress God with your righteousness. Yeah, filthy rags. But don't tell me that God looks on uh, some missionary that spent years and then died on the field and was faithful and lived a holy life. Don't tell me God looks at that and says, ah, filthy rags. No! It's abominable what people do with the Word of God with the help of the lies of the devil. Yes, sir. Where am I at? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. That in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. Man, those are rich verses. They are just exactly uh, applicable to what I'm talking about here. This, our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. It's the first time chapter 1 and verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 19. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went, on, which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. 
which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. It's the key. It's the key to this whole thing. Why do people defend sin? Why in the world have Baptists come to this place where their doctrines all excuse and defend sin instead of condemning it? Because they're sinners. That's why they're hiding their evil conscience. They don't have a clean conscience before men. You have a clean conscience before men and you're going to hate sin. But if you're sneaking around and, you're, and your thought life and your mind is full of filth and wickedness, you're going to take that doctrine over the truth. Yes, sir. The devil's done got you. Yep. Right. There ain't no other explanation. I don't care what you say. That, there's no other explanation. I've been in this for a long time, thinking about this for a long time, watching it for a long time, and that's exactly the answer right there. Part of the atonement provided by Jesus Christ is the ability to have a conscience that's free from offense. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Don't tell me I'm preaching to you fairy tales. It's the truth. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 through 16. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Now if the law of God's written in your mind and your heart's yielded to the truth of God, you're going to have peace in your soul. And your conscience is going to be clear. Hebrews 13 and verse 18. Pray for us, for we trust that we have... Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. It's key right there. So I've been talking to you about, about a lying spirit and then the spirit of truth. You've got to be honest. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. What does that mean? Heart full of truth. Heart yielded to the truth. A true heart. Not a crooked heart. Not a hard heart. Not a dishonest heart. Not a heart that's trying to lord it over the truth in your mind. And get what it wants. What does the world say? Follow your heart. So when the, when the heart is truly yielded to the truth of God... Are you listening to me? We're about done. Everybody relax. This ain't going to be no hour and a half message. We're about done. So when the heart is truly yielded to the truth of God, that's when peace of mind comes. And that's what everybody wants. Because that's what life's full of trouble and it's all trouble. Your mind is troubled because of all the evil. You can have peace of mind when your heart's truly yielded 
there's peace. It's when we deny ourselves and truly yield our heart to God that we're born again. It's with, it's with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It's when the heart believes. Not when the mind believes. The mind is easy to convince. It's your heart that's the problem. That's why the intellectual gospel just don't get it done. Got to preach the truth, yes. But it's got to be more than a mental, intellectual game. Something's got to get on down in there. You don't get born again until your heart believes. And when your heart believes, your heart yields. Stops fighting against your mind and the truth that you know. And the struggle is over. That's why you hear so many testimonies about peace flooded my soul. The fight was over. The struggle was done. When my heart yielded. And I said, that's it. I'm going to quit scheming. I'm going to quit plotting. I'm going to quit trying to figure out how to have my own way. Our heart and our mind are reconciled together. And working together in truth. Not opposing one another any longer. Man, that is so plain to me to see. I know it in my own life. I've seen it in so many others' lives. That's how it happens right there. When your heart stops, the, stops, the battle stops. And your mind and your heart can rest. Because they're one now. You don't have that struggle going on inside you anymore. That law of that law in your members, fighting against that law of your mind that stops. The voices of Satan and his devils are not silenced, but we now know who they are. And we now know how to identify them and refuse to listen to them. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That only works if your heart believes God. Your heart believes the truth. Your mind believes the truth then you can say to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan. And he has to leave. We're no longer at war within ourselves about the truth, so we're free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We're free. We have inner peace and rest. And that's the only way to have peace of mind and joy in this life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. People read that and it's so shallow. They don't understand what he's saying. Peace I leave with you. It's one of those things Jesus said and he knew when he said it. And he knew for 2,000 years people are not going to understand what he's saying. Peace. We don't escape the knowledge of evil, but we're enabled by the grace of God through faith in Christ to keep our spirit, keep our heart, and keep our mind in the realm of good. And not let evil have freedom to trouble us to the point of misery. Y'all catch that? 
That's the last thing I'm going to say before I read the last verse here. But I mean, just think about that. We're enabled by the grace of God to keep our spirit and our mind and our heart. And the Bible tells us to do all those things. You know, you to keep he that keepeth not his own guardeth not his own spirit has it can, uh, ruleth not his own spirit. It's like a city without walls, broken down, no defense, wide open. God, the grace of God, through the atonement, through being saved, and through the truth, allows us, enables us to be able to keep our house. Live a life of victory and peace, not misery. That's why a Christian ought to be a good person. Really, really. Not just pretending to be a good person. They really ought to be a good person. What ought to come out of their mouth? Evil. I'll tell you what they did and I'll tell you what they did. They're no good and they're lying. That's a devil. I learned a long time ago. It dawned on me. Man, that's not... That ain't the Holy Ghost of God in somebody. If everybody's mean and everybody's a devil and everything's wrong and something wrong with everybody and there's a rawr. What ought to come out of our mouth? Blessing or cursing? Or both? No. Both shouldn't come out of the same mouth. It's just a sign something ain't fixed in there. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 8. Be careful for nothing. You know what that means? We're talking about trouble in your heart and being careful, full of care. Be careful for nothing. I don't mean get in your car and drive fast and take chances. That ain't what that means. Don't be careful. We always say be careful, but we're not saying what that's saying. Y'all understand me? He's saying don't be full of care. It's like Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter... uh, uh, six about take not thought for tomorrow and all of that you know, why you worry why would you care don't you know God will take care of you be careful for nothing don't let your heart be troubled like Jesus said in John chapter 14 twice don't let your heart be troubled be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, this, this, this is the next word. I'm not jumping verses here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Let your thoughts be full of that. Good, not evil. Evil is what? Trouble. Problems, pain, anguish, grief, whatever. It's all the bad. Is this what evil is? All right. How do you overcome evil? With good. That's right. Where does that apply? In your mind and in your heart. That's how you overcome. I'm not teaching you a psychological trick. I'm just telling you the facts of the matter and what the Bible teaches us right here. 
Get your mind out of the garbage pit of this world. Quit feeding it with evil. And I'm not talking about just sinful things. I'm talking about evil. Quit this. I mean, when you watch the news, what are you going to hear? Good or evil? Evil. Trouble everywhere. The world's going to blow up. I mean, this and murdered that one. That and murdered this and this and you know, and this. Just trouble, trouble, trouble. We can do without that. We'll be a much better Christian, much better witness. We'll be much more effective in our homes, with our children, in church, and out there in the workplace. Our testimony will be much more effective if we just think on these things. And don't allow our mind to be pumped full of evil from every angle by other people, by the things we look at and read and watch. Amen. Best advice you're going to get in a long time. It's good for all of us. I need to hear this. Think on good things. Search it out. Be a blessing. Don't just be passing the junk. That's why backbiting and tail-bearing are such bad things. It's evil. It hurts people. It's part of what we got from the knowledge of evil. Wish he hadn't never done that. I wish Adam would have been there and said, No. But it didn't happen that way. Some people say, why did God let it happen? (laughs) We're special. God made us. We're the creation that is special. God gave us the choice. You know, not very many of us, I don't think, would be very happy if we'd had to get a wife by just going clubbing her in the head and dragging her off, you know, by the hair and making her be our wife. I don't think that would fly very well. I don't think that'd make you very happy. What are you looking for? You're looking for somebody to love you yes. back. Because yes, they want to. Mm-hmm. Or it's meaningless. Exactly. That's why God gives us the choice. And that's it. I'm going to quit. Y'all ought to Rejoice, because I did have a little more, and I. <laughs> See, when it goes to five pages, I think, no, 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 it's not going. We're good. We're good. Man, take these things, think about them, apply them in your life. Don't be overcome with evil. Don't. You don't have to. Believe with your heart. Yield your heart. Nobody's saved until they yield. Their heart is yielded. Now I believe that with all of my soul, because it's in. It's right there. I read it to you here tonight. Proved it with the Word of God. Just that little profession. That's why it don't work. And everybody's satisfied with that, but it doesn't work. People are still full of trouble, and they never get over it. Oh, victory in Jesus. How can you sing victory in Jesus if you're miserable and full of evil and trouble? Woe is me. Woe is me. 
Some people don't ever get any victory. You remember when Jacob answered Pharaoh? Remember how he answered him? <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, he, I forgot this. I can't quote it exactly, but he talked about how he was so old and full of trouble. His days had been so full of trouble. Yeah, he's an evil. Well, I sure don't want to get to the end and that's all life was. It's just a big pain and a bunch of trouble. No. Amen. Bow with me. Father, thank You for the Word of God. I thank You for helping us here tonight with it. Thank You for helping me. I pray somebody else will get some help here. It's very important stuff. Basic. That just really is so helpful to us if we just believe it. As it is. The Word of God. Now, pray you'd go with us now. Work in our lives. Help us to honor you and represent you well in this world. Help these children to grow up and understand these things and be able to resist the devil that he wouldn't get their lives. Help us all now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.